Hi, I'm Martha. Hi, I'm Izzy. Welcome to the Lookouts Podcast Report Track. Today's episode is Sailing Around the World. So joining us today is Don Riley, the first American to sail in four America's Cups and two Whitbread Round the World races, and the executive director of the Oak Cliff Sailing Center in Oyster Bay, New York, and a past Sea Scout. So Don, would you like to start with telling us a little bit about yourself, how you've been involved in the sailing community? Well, that's a really short <laughs> question with a really long answer. Um, I've been sailing my whole life and I'm 55 years old and I've actually been professionally sailing since I was 15. So you guys can do the math on that one. Um, and uh, let's just keep it with the Sea Scout side of it. We sailed with our family and we'd actually sailed for a year from Detroit, Michigan, where I grew up, uh, down to Lake Erie, across the Barge Canal to New York, up to Maine, down to Florida, the Bahamas, the Virgins, Grenada, and back. And then when I came back, we never really belonged to a yacht club or anything, but when I came back, um, there was a yacht club down the street and they had a program called the Sea Scouts and I was uh, involved with that. So they didn't have a junior sailing or coaching, but uh, that was what kept me busy, part of what kept me busy through my high school, middle school, high school years. Okay, so how old were you when you joined Sea Scouts then? I think I was 13 when I okay. joined. Yeah, and I know it's evolved a little bit, but it's more or less the same same thing. And of course, back then, think about it, it was the beginning of my career being a one or only or first female. So the fact that right. the only part of Boy Scouts that girls could be in was very appealing. Right. Yeah, I, I, can, I can completely relate to that. So you said you've been sailing your entire life, but... What made you continue doing it? Because, you know, sometimes people start things, but it's really not for them. Obviously, this is definitely for you. <laughs> yes, it's definitely for me. It is my life. And I'm very lucky uh, on multiple levels to be able to do this. But uh, it wasn't the only thing that I was passionate about. When I was in that age, you know, from 10 to 13, middle school age, I wanted to be um, going to advertising. I wanted really? to in Manhattan. I wanted to be a professional ski racer. I definitely wanted to sail. Uh, I had a lot of different goals and uh, it just turned out that this one was the one that stuck the best. It definitely seems like you were involved in a lot, had a lot of energy to do that. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite part and least favorite part about sailing? Um, I think the best part about sailing is you can never be perfect at it. You're always having to learn something new. Even if you've done everything absolutely correctly during a race, according to a book or according to a coach or according to what you should do, you can still lose. And sometimes you can uh, fake it a little bit and get a little lucky and win. Uh, but the point is that you're always learning. And that's part of what um, where I am now, Oak Cliff Sailing, which makes it exciting and makes it so that people value of all ages value coming and sailing with us is because they're always learning. There's always a pre-brief, there's always some sailing with some coaching, and then there's a debrief. So you never feel like you've wasted time. You never leave the water going, oh, I wonder what happened. You always have something to either that you figured out, you've learned, or something to work on for the future. I definitely agree. I think that sailing, it's like every day is different and you can learn so much just from being in one day of sailing and a whole week of sailing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. So you mentioned um, about being 
a female in the sailing world. And I just want to know, I know this is like a heavily masculine uh, dominated sport. And if you wanted to mention some of the challenges that you faced, and since you're also involved in the Women's Sport Foundation, so you can mention some interesting comments. Well, yeah, the first thing is, is that it is still a male dominated sport, but imagine 40, 50 years ago, the difference, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen so much progress, you know, the fact that there's two women here talking to me about sailing, <laughs> which would have been unusual back in the day. And at Oak Cliff, because we have female leadership and women in charge and women skippers and tacticians, we can make the natural decision to have mixed crews and co-ed crews. In terms of breaking down barriers, we're actually filming this at the same time as a good friend of mine, Billie Jean King, is doing a podcast on Yahoo Sports. So I have the perspective where she started the Women's Sports Foundation uh, in 1977, I think, and she thought that it was going to stay in in existence for maybe five, maybe 10 years until women had equality, and it's still going. So it shows you that it gives you perspective as you get older. That it's a long, long thing. Um, I've had challenges before where people have said, no, you're not coming on the boat because we don't have women. Um, I've had random times where women were the worst enemy because they didn't want some female sailing with their husband. It's not my fault that they don't like to sail. I am not out there in the dating service. I'm out there to pull on a line and get a sail up and get a sail down. Um, and it, it's, so I've seen a lot of things evolve and I'm hopeful though for the future and the current situation. Wow, that's cool. really interesting. Yeah, um, and, and Scouts, they just recently let girls join Scouts BSA. It's not called, it's, it's regular Scouts isn't called Boy Scouts anymore for that reason. Um, yeah. yeah, last February. So yeah. it's it's been very, very interesting doing stuff with that. I've been the first female to do a lot of things just in Scouts. So it's definitely just a different role to be in, I think. Um, people so put so much pressure and so much focus on just that one aspect um whether you're a boy or girl doing something mm -hmm. so, so, <laughs> i'm sorry it's, it's super important and that's where for me sports was what really uh led me to uh be a leader and that's mm -hmm. ironically oak cliff's motto is building american leaders through sailing sailing's the last part of it it's the leadership and the strength is the beginning and the the most important part but if you're not allowed to if you're not pushed and not allowed to lead and not allowed to fail you'll never figure out how to be successful and i that's absolutely agree that, yeah. yeah absolutely comes in and also when people come up with this whole like oh no you have to have single sex teams and this and that i'm like no you don't life <laughs> co-ed so why the hell are we not sailing co-ed you are absolutely right definitely so as a person personally as a female sailor there's been a few times when i felt like i couldn't go sailing with a certain guy or like i wasn't put on a team roster um because i was a female have you had experiences with that when you were like growing up and like still like learning how to sail and going through the whole process of becoming absolutely. a more competitive sailor yeah, and in you know in the beginning when racism or sexism is um, rampant, back in the day it was actually acceptable to say no, you can't come because you're a female. 
Now we've moved to the point where they often will say, oh no, we don't have room or we can't. And you know what it means. It means I'm not taking a girl, right? So the, the coping mechanism that I've come up with is if I know that it's because I, I know that it's because I'm a female that they don't want something. I can't focus on that. I have to just try to get onto the boat or move forward with the job and do what I have to do because as soon as I accept the fact that I am a female and that's holding me back, I can't change that part of it. I can't change the fact that I'm a female. What I can do though is when given the opportunity to prove it and point it out and stand up for it. Boy, do I. And I'm going to tell you. Just, <laughs> what's, what's one of your most like aha moments as far as that's concerned where you've stood up and done something like that? Well, there was one time I was in New Zealand. I was supposed to do a speech and I was getting paid like $5,000 to do the speech for a corporation. Um, I'm not going to say the name of the company because it was long enough ago. And uh, the speaking agent called and said, oh, when they found out you were a female, they decided to go with Chris Dixon because they wanted a guy. And I was like mortified and pissed off because I wasn't going to make the money. And because I knew that I was, I still am a better speaker than Chris Dixon. Sorry, Chris. But, uh, <laughs> At least you're honest. <laughs> it just happened that the journalist from the national newspaper called me and said, you know, how's it going? I'm like, well, you know, Suzanne, this just happened. The next day on the front page of the national newspaper was X company is, um, X company refuses to allow female sailor to speak. Wow. And it went crazy. And of course you can imagine the backlash and some of my board and my management, my PR person were mortified. <laughs> In a brief moment, I was like, oh geez, maybe I stepped over the line. And then I started getting emails and phone calls from women that worked at that company saying, thank you so much because this is a problem at our company. And they've made some changes after that. That is very impressive. Now, did yeah. you have any events like that except for, for sailing, like while you were sailing and like mm -hmm. racing? Um, yeah, way, way back when I was like close to your age, I was uh, supposed to sail on a boat. And this is before emails and even before cell phones and before <laughs> faxes. And they, the boat captain said, we have Don Riley sailing with us. And they thought it was D-O-N, not D-A-W-N. And when I got down to the boat, they said, uh, no, you're out. Um, I, that one, you know, that was, and it was said not very nicely at all. Um, so I ended up getting on another boat and we did better than the first boat. So, <laughs> <laughs> Of course you did. <laughs> Do you feel like you were ever put, like there was more pressure on you or you, or you were worked harder than uh, the guys when you were sailing? Do you think that ever happened just because no. you were not necessarily, and I think that's part of the key to success, is you can't let the pressure um, get to you. You have mm -hmm. to just, if you're, if you're a professional and you're an athlete, you're doing the best you possibly can at all moments. So having more pressure isn't going to make isn't going to make you better. It isn't going to make you work harder because you're working at your maximum capacity at all times. I know I've definitely felt that through like I, uh, being involved with like mental sailing and how the mindset can really change your performance. And I felt the pressure of like other guys when I was sailing and I would like end up doing worse because I'm focusing on like what they think of me when I'm racing. Yeah, you, you, gotta, you gotta push that aside. You gotta <laughs> control what you can control. And um, 
there's no question about it. Sometimes you make decisions differently. Um, I decided to go with the women's team in the America's Cup in 95, as opposed to a team where I was being offered a better salary and a guaranteed uh, first string spot. And I realized that I could have made more money that time and I possibly could have been on a team that was slotted to do better but that the fact that there was going to be an all-women's team in the America's Cup was too big of an opportunity um, and too big of a movement not to be part of so I made those decisions but in terms of pressure it's again if you just focus on doing every little tiny thing as best as you possibly can you're going to succeed and you don't need the noise of the extra stress um, from trying to you know live up for everybody else that's definitely really great advice Okay, so shifting gears a little bit, how did you get involved in the Whitbread, in the Whitbread race? Well, obviously there's a movie made in that kind of um, is a spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> there was a journalist that was a friend of a woman that was working for me. And she's like, hey, there's this team of all women that are gonna go around the world. And I knew about the Whitbread and I had wanted to go, but I had never really competed with uh, other women on board at a high level because there just were so few of us out there. And so my initial arrogant young reaction was, I'm not going to sell a bunch of girls. Are you crazy? And she just looked at me and laughed and thank God she had a little more perspective. Uh, and just like, get over yourself, go try and sail around the world and then worry about whether you're sailing with men or women. I know a lot of people are still trying to figure out ways to get involved into bigger races and bigger regattas. So I guess taking, what's your advice for that? Well, it's the same thing. You know, it, it's, it, there's a little bit, and I'm glad that you guys probably don't have to deal with this very much anymore, but in the, in the middle, it was, oh, well, we can't have women because it'll take the opportunities for the boys away. No, right side <laughs> lifts all ships. If we all are working together and, and if you're the best person for that spot, why shouldn't you be in that? So, um, you know, you just have to keep pushing through and it's not easy to be a professional sailor. It's not easy to be an Olympic medalist, but it has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with an individual. So if you're a person that wants to achieve and try hard, you're a person. It doesn't matter what your background is, what your race is, you know, those are just factors that can make you stronger to succeed at the top. Definitely. Okay. So um, what was the best and worst thing about being on an all-woman crew? Obviously, there's a lot of um, shock when this kind of came up. Um, you know, we were still a lot of very individual, strong characters, and we all got together a year or so ago in uh, London for the premiere of Maiden, and it was the same jokes just 30 years later. It was the same characters, you know, Sally, the six foot you know, woman from Scotland, and Jenny, the super bright, smart, scholarly um, person who's now the CEO of Visa Europe, you know, so she was always <laughs> an overachiever and she continued to be an overachiever. Um, so it's, it's, um, I don't know, it's just, it's really cool to be part of a team that is collectively doing something important and by definition bigger than any one individual, maybe bigger than your team. Uh, in terms of the worst thing, no, there's different... <laughs> 
you know, it was great. There are different challenges if you try to do just an all women's team. Like if you're, everybody's cruising along, you're sailing with men, you're sailing with women. All of a sudden you say, I know, let's put together a team, but we're going to isolate the options of that team to less than 50% of the type of people that I normally sail with. That's an artificial team. You want to be able to put together a team with the best people possible. If it happens that your best team and the people that you really want to sail with, that you've had experience with, happens to be half or 75% all women, then that's really cool. And we had that in a super yacht regatta in St. Bart's where I was the, um, the team captain and the tactician. Susie Leach was the navigator. Sam Davies, who's you know, sailed around the world a few times. Uh, was the helms person. Nikki Suter from Australia was my head trimmer. Sonia was our grinder. You know, Fiona was our foredeck boss. And it just was because I was putting together a team and I wanted to find really fun, cool, talented people. And it happened to be that there were more women than men on board. A super yacht. That's Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> So you also talked a little bit about Oak Cliff and the leadership in it. And just for our audience, Oak Cliff is a high performance training center for sailors who have progressed beyond traditional coaching methods. And I wanted to hear a little bit how about how you started Oak Cliff and how the coaching aspect of sailing has been different from your racing side. So um, the good news is I still race. I just have a lot more organization to do. Uh, and Oak Cliff started with a family that's local to Oyster Bay who said, we have quite a few boats and we have some funding and what can you do to make a difference? What can you do that's different uh, that nobody else is doing? And some of the things that we identified were that there was um, a lack of good coaching, quality coaching. There wasn't a path for American in particular sailors to go from being a sailor to becoming a professional. We were lacking some of the apprenticeship style programs in the marine industry. Don't get me started on the rest of American industry uh, where we need to have more skilled trades uh, programs for plumbers and electricians and builders and and really not just turn to replace everything but to be able to fix and build ourselves um that's when i run for office eventually i'll be, I'll be part of <laughs> we'll remember you we'll give you a shout out <laughs> yeah so um so we said you know that there's an opportunity here and i was only going to stay for three years but we put together this place that has a dormitory that says 43 bunks that has now 102 boats we have training in not just the sailing side but in the uh rigging uh engineering mechanics uh boat building, painting, engines, and then we also have the business side of it. So the legal, the contract negotiation, everything that you have to know to put together your own small business. And then we also get to go sailing. And some of the things that we do innovative in coaching is that obviously we have the, we take what a professional sailor would do like during an America's Cup with your, your schedule of your day and your pre-brief and each, the trimmer has to know which jibs are on board because that's their tool. They need to know and confirm that the battens are in them. The, you know, the bow person needs to make sure that the halyard needs to rig check, make sure the mast is going to stay up, all of that type of thing. And then um, we have the debrief and always have coaching. And then through the winter, we do things that now because of the coronavirus have gone a bit virtual. We have uh, around here, most places have a sea breeze. We have a cocktail breeze because it comes in and happens 
happy hour. Um, and that's when most of our sailing is, is after work. So we can incorporate a whole new group of people after school, after work. Um, and we do, you know, short rigging seminars or how to make, uh, actually, I'm going to how to make a Dawn Witch or pineapple upside down cakes. We have cooking, we have fun, we have, you know, it's, it's a whole community that we're building. And actually for the coronavirus, um, we've been able to continue working because we have 11 people living on site or two of us live by ourselves and we've self-isolated for a whole month um, well before anybody said that we needed to isolate because we identified ahead of time that we need to get the boats in the water, we need to have the boats ready and we have an opportunity because we live and work together. So when they say work from home, uh, we live at work, so <laughs> <We're> <laughs> That's really very cool. Um, so as far as scouts are related, you said Sea Scouts was kind of like your outlet to be able to go sailing after you came back from that, but did it affect your sailing in any other aspect too? Well, you know what? It's um, the sailing and the racing side of it, especially the way we did the Sea Scouts back then was not we yes we raced but we had an old boat called agent orange that had been donated it was a <laughs> boat. it was ugly but, <laughs> but it, it worked um really where that went back to is the leadership side of it and that was the same thing i went to michigan state university we were a club sport so uh it wasn't known as a powerhouse of racing but man, did we get a lot of experience in organizing our own fundraisers and building our own sales and jacking up our clubhouse and redoing the foundation. We got a lot of really good practical hands-on skills that correlate right to what I'm doing now and what I've done throughout my career. Very cool. That's so cool how what you learned from like Sea Scouts, especially the leadership aspect, has been able to be like used in your career now and throughout your life. Yeah, I totally believe that your education is important, but your experiences are what you're going to remember and where you are, especially the younger you are, the more you can fail and learn from those experiences. And that's what's going to take you and propel you forward to success. Absolutely. Definitely. Okay. So how did this affect your passion? I know that you were on the water quite a lot as a young age and just how did that translate to being on the water now since you started at such a young age? Well, I'm living, I'm looking out the window at the water. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I had a friend that lived in, where was it? Where the Air Force Academy is in Colorado. And she said, look, the, the, you know, the corn or whatever it was, is looks like waves. And a bunch of us that were sailors, we looked at it and we're like, are you high? No, it doesn't. <laughs> It's not water. So somehow, some way, water has always been part of my life. Um, it's where I work. It's where I compete. It's where I relax. And uh, for me, that just is, it, it has to be. There's no, there's no option. I have to be near, on, or in the water. I completely get that. I, uh, I live in Houston, Texas. I am an hour and a half away from the boat that my ship sails. Um, but to fix that problem, I am on the swim team at my high school. I'm the captain of my swim team. So I'm always, I've always been aquatically inclined. Excellent. Um, <laughs> a good I'm a little different. I'm here in Annapolis. Yeah, um, lucky duck. <laughs> I'm pretty close to the water, but I definitely feel like I am my best self when I'm on the water. Mm -hmm. Very good. How did the two of you guys meet? Through Sea Scouts. Um, we had a roundtable Zoom meeting 
a few weeks ago. I am the new national bosun's mate for Sea Scouts, um, and Izzy was on there. TW, our national commodore, asked her to give a presentation about how her ship is coping with the coronavirus outbreak and just what they're doing differently. And I was still looking for a co-host for these podcasts, and she stood out to me as a very, very impressive individual. <laughs> so I emailed her after the meeting. I was like, hey, I'm doing this. Do you want to do this with me? Uh, I definitely wanted to. So. Yeah, and we just kind crazy. of like right away. <laughs> yeah, we both want to go to the Naval Academy, and we're both juniors, so we're both in the application process for that right now, so we're kind of working through that together. Okay, well, my crew in college works at the Naval Academy, Renee Mel, so we can do a little more networking Ooh. here. <laughs> and yeah, then we'll make we sure talked you talked about both wanting to sail. Um, Izzy says she might want to, you might want to go small boats, but I definitely want to be doing offshore? <laughs> I mean, I do competitive, or, uh, I sail for my high school with the little 420s and FJs, so I definitely mm -hmm. love that. Excellent. Well, you once once all these sanctions are lifted and it's safe, you guys have to come and visit me at Oak Cliff, of course. Yeah, we will definitely do that. <laughs> to close this up, uh, what advice would you give to aspiring sailors and possibly for those who have big dreams such as racing in the Olympics or around the world? Uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. <laughs> it's the small things. Do everything you possibly can to get better in that moment. Don't worry about the big picture. As long as you're moving forward, it's like you get knocked on a one leg of a race and then you tack and you get lifted. So every little thing as well as you possibly can, and then you'll win sailboat races almost accidentally. I really love that. <laughs> very, very great advice. So for our listeners, you can contact us at podcasts at cscout.org. That is a capital P, plural podcasts. If you are using a program that lets you write reviews, please do so because we always love as much feedback as possible. If you have any requests for episodes or ideas, comments, concerns, you can email us at, email us at that address. And I'm Martha. And this is Izzy. And we will see you all next week on the Lookout Podcast, Reef Points Track. <laughs>